welcome, welcome. This is According to Callus, and I'm standing up for Texas. That doesn't quite ring right, does it? How about standing up for McKinney? Well, maybe not. Not that you standing up for Collin County. Uh, I don't know. Well, you know, go to the comments and uh, give me your input. See what you like best. Uh, I, I'm open to suggestions and I'm open to a critique. Uh, just trying to come up with something a little more memorable, a better tagline, if you will. Um, but today's episode, this is going down on the 5th of September. That's right. Memorial day. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's labor day, but labor day and Memorial day are often mistaken for each other. And I'm guilty of this too. Well, when I was a younger man, I used to say, well, there's a big difference. Memorial Day, we're celebrating people that gave their lives so we could keep our country. Labor Day is so that we could act like the uh, drunken labor leaders. Now, as a little bit wiser and older, I don't see the difference other than one's at the beginning of summer and one's at the end of summer. And I will tell you, that people still get them mistaken all the time. Now, Labor Day is supposed to be a celebration of those that work. And as the late, great Rush Limbaugh used to say, you celebrate by going to work on Labor Day. Do your labors. Well, that's all well and good. And maybe if I was 20-something and I'm my first job, I would say, yeah, I'll pay you. I'll get paid overtime to go to work. But, I am not 20-something, and I've had a career under my belt of well over 20-some years. I will take the day off. Thank you very much. So today's topic, Trump won't save you. I'm convinced there are a lot of well-meaning people on my side of the equation. And for those of you just joining me, that would mean... Right of center. This is episode 254 in numerical order. I think I'm probably closer to 265 or 270 of things I've posted. I bring this to your attention because I have said this more than once, but now that we're over 250 episodes, I feel the uh, need to repeat. We can't fix what goes on in D.C., We might be able to fix what happens in Austin, but the best and surest way that we can address that which ails us is at the municipal and county level. So it is very, very frustrating to me when those people that are on my team, right, right of center, um, get all excited about anything Trump does or says. And, And to be clear, This happens all the time on the left as well, although I'm fairly certain they're not nearly as enamored with Biden as they were his predecessor, the big O. But uh, let me tell you, the frustration for people that ought to know better. I, I assume left of center is all into a national government. They they want the center to rule all. That's kind of the terminology that uh, Brian McClanahan uses. The rule from the center. I agree. I think that's a very accurate statement. They think if they control D.C., they control everything. Now, they've been shown on a couple of occasions that's not necessarily the case. 
But I think they're still confident that if they've got the center captured, they only have to fight a few skirmishes out there. And one of the places that they're coming in hot and heavy is Texas. And one of the ways that they are going to gain headway is they're going to find people who, quite frankly, come across as perfectly reasonable, come across as left of center but not crazy, and have a selling point that they're trying to just be reasonable, fair, just moderate things a little bit. Well, we have a giant faction within the Republican Party that already does that. And, you know, that's why we are still fighting 20 years later to get the majority of our legislative priorities addressed because they routinely don't address them. They bury them. They have zero interest in actually delivering the things that we've asked for time and time again. I'm certain when this next term comes around, they're going to do very little to address the majority of the problems that we've asked them time and time again to deal with. In fact, we are busy electing people that have worked against us in the past because, well, they're not a Democrat. God forbid we'd get a Democrat in there. Well, yeah, you're right. And the Republicans slash conservatives have done such a good job of doing nothing that they're completely uninspiring. There are very few people that are right of center that are actually excited to go vote for their candidate. And this is where Trump jumps in. He's a divisive guy. Why? Because, I don't know, he speaks his mind. Because he's a New Yorker. He has an opinion. He's not afraid to share it. Because he's a little crass. I, I Look, he wasn't my cup of tea. 2016, I did not vote for him in the primary. In fact, he was probably the last guy that I wanted to see on that ticket. But he won. And he won fair and square. And then he kept the crud out of the Clinton machine. And... He did a decent job, but for the first two years, when he had the House and the Senate, we got nothing. We have very little to show for the fact that we had all the arms of government. Now, we can uh, drop a good deal of that at the feet of Paul Ryan, the disgraced former congressman from Wisconsin. And I was very excited. I mean, honestly, I was very excited uh, when he got his chance to be in charge. I had high hopes for him. I mean, he was a pretty solid guy. He's from Wisconsin. That was my birth state. And, uh, you know, I was convinced that he was going to bring that wonkish, you know, stuff to bear. And he was going to get some stuff done. But he didn't. I mean, we preached and preached and preached how we were going to fix Obamacare. We were going to get rid of Obamacare. How we were going to do this. We we're going to do that. And we didn't even get that done. Now, those left of center said, well, you have nothing to replace it with. No, we don't need to replace it. For starters, we could just go back to what was there before it was there. Just repeal the whole ding thing. But nope, nope, they couldn't do it. And I don't know if it's because they didn't have the political might or if they were just playing cowards or uh, they compromised enough behind the scenes that they just sold us out, which is all too often the case. But... I got to tell you, if you really believe that in 2022, we're going to get both seats in the Congress, right? We're going to have the House and the Senate. 
and we're going to do anything more than just be obstructionist to Biden, which I'm kind of okay with. They passed two giant bills that never, ever should have passed. And every Republican that went along with that should have been primaried and should have been booted out and, quite frankly, should be censured by whatever district they come from or the state if they're a senator. There was not enough compromise ever in there that could justify voting for the monstrosities you've put through. Just like y'all did. Well, actually, they, they didn't have a choice, right? I mean, Congress, the House only requires 50% plus one, but at least in the Senate, they could have stopped it. They have to have a 60 vote for cloture, which means they had to have at least nine Republicans knuckle under and cave and give them that vote. And to my knowledge, all nine of those people that did that are going to still be senators. And we do nothing. Now, I'm not suggesting we go kinetic on their butts, although it does sound fun every once in a while to mull that over, but that's what they want. I mean, our leaders in Washington want us to overreact. They want us to go kinetic so they can have their excuse to crack down. I mean, if you saw the Biden speech, (laughs) I mean, if you didn't see the echoes of, I don't know, every totalitarian movie or previous dictator, if you didn't see the echoes of that in his speech, obviously you didn't watch it or you're not paying attention. And I didn't even have to watch it. I just saw a picture and I'm like, um, is that undoctored? Uh, what's going on there? And then I saw the excerpts that, you know, I'm a threat to democracy. I'm a threat to all that made this nation, whatever it is, to which I say two words for you, Joe, and anybody else that agrees with him. And the second one is you. You can choose your first word, whatever pejorative you want to use. I signed on the dotted line and I gave an oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And keep poking, you keep pushing. And I keep saying, no, no, I'm not going to do anything. No, it's, it's not worth it. I'm not going to give them what they want. And I keep hoping that my other brothers and sisters out there that took that same oath keep repeating that to themselves. Nope, nope, not yet. Don't cross the line. Don't do not do anything stupid. Don't be rash. I, I hope, I, I pray that we can keep biding our time. <laughs> that we can just hold out just a little while longer. That we can change that tide. But the problem is... Again, back to Trump. Trump is nothing more than a 1960s era Democrat. He's a good populist. And honestly, after eight years of the giant O and the prospect of Hitlery, yeah, that sounded really good. We could use a little populism. The guy clearly loves his country. Well, we all love our country. The guy wants to reel back some of this National government fear. Yeah, okay, that's good. We, we're very much in support of states' rights. Yet, for the last year and a half to three years, we've heard nothing about how that was one of the main actions that took place under the so-called tyrant. And 
we've seen some of the after effects of that with the uh, SCOTUS opinions, right? No, we're trying to devolve this, give the power back to the states where they usurped it to keep the feds out of business that they had no business being involved with in the first place. Yet, everything that Trump did was temporary. It was a passing thing. Why? Because pretty much everything of any consequence that he accomplished was by executive order. So the very next guy in that office, the resident in chief, Joe, came in and undermined it or canceled it or destroyed it within a week. So all the good things that we had, uh, regardless of the lackluster, pathetic leadership we had in the House and the Senate for those first two years, was temporary. It was transient at best. And, you know, I, I, I get in discussions with family members every now and again, and they want to tell me that Trump will fix it, that Trump did this and Trump did that, and he was great. That's all maybe true. But nothing of any lasting effect from his presidency will continue unless it becomes a law. Now, yes, yes, I know we got a couple of key decisions or opinions by the SCOTUS that went our way. And the Donald gets big time credit for that, right? We all respect that. But again, it's not law. It's a judicial opinion. And quite frankly, if I'm a state governor, right or left, and I believe that, well, number one, my state doesn't go for that. And number two, that the feds are wrong. I'm going to have a little bit more backbone than, oh, I don't know, say the current resident down in uh, Austin and say, no, feds, you don't have that authority. No, feds, we're not going to appreciate your mm, supposed authority. And uh, while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and leave the state? We don't need your help. And oh, by the way, we'll secure our own border. And oh, by the way, since you're actively undermining the efforts that we're putting in, we're just going to escort you to the border. You can go on back to California, New Mexico, Washington, Oregon, New Jersey, Illinois, New York, and honestly, Virginia at this point. And you can continue to ruin those states, but we're going to go our own way. We have zero interest in what you have to say anymore because clearly you don't care. Now, the former president was all about making America great again. He didn't define America, not to my knowledge. I mean, maybe he did in one of his speeches, but when you're talking about America, you're talking about an amalgamation of states that came together and created these United States. And when some of those states seem to destroy the other states, that puts us into an interesting situation where the center cannot hold where you've got two sides of the same house fighting against themselves, right? Now, oh, we may have a cold civil war right now, but they're trying to make it hot. So you sell them, the American public, on the idea of the big tent, right? This great national scheme or view of things and take the time and take the effort to sell people on a positive outlook. And it worked. It worked well. 
But the problem is, is the people on his own party sold him out. Now, look, we expect Democrats to be Democrats. We expect progressives to be progressives. We expect socialists to be socialists. What we don't expect is the rhinos who've got somebody from their own team. And even though they're not 100% on board, we don't expect them to sell us out. Now, we had to suck it up when we got Mitt Romney as a nominee. We had to suck it up when we got John McCain as a nominee. We were told that, well, you know, yeah, they're moderates. And yeah, you know, um, this is the establishment's play. And we have to take the best chance we have to win. They were terrible. They both went down big time in flames, and it was because they ran terrible campaigns, yes, but it was because they were terrible candidates. I mean, the most notable thing out of the presidential campaigns of both Romney Ryan and McCain-Palin was Sarah Palin, and you can love or hate Sarah Palin, but she's a precursor to Trump, and actually, to some extent, they're birds of a feather. And while some people might be convinced that they're a disease or they're a problem, I would say to you, they're a symptom. They're a warning. They are that canary in the coal mine. You can continue to do the terrible things that you're doing while claiming to love America, while claiming to do what's best for these United States. But when you continue to sell us out, when you continue to you know, give away our technology, give away our companies, give away our edge, debase our dollar, um, weaken the military, um, abandon the border. What else are we to conclude but that you are lying and you're not interested in doing the job in which you said you wanted, the job in which you were hired to do? Well, now why we continue to tolerate this, I don't know. But until such a time that we have no other choice, it will not be by my hands that the peace is broken. I live by two oaths. One is to my family, my wife, and by extension, my children, who are no longer children. And to my protection of the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And for those of you that continue to fail to acknowledge that, honestly, at this point, a majority of those that would show no respect to the rules, to the rule of law, to the Constitution, to the boundaries, to the uh, federalism that set up the form of government that we have, to those people, they have captured the center. And we're fighting them off in a peaceful way. We're, we're trying to do the best we can. And... They bemoan and scream that we're nationalists. And, of course, my favorite one is Christian nationalists. Mm, Okay. Yeah, the boogeyman, right? That's utter nonsense. The whole thing's crazy. Somebody that loves their country or loves their state and wants to give consideration to their country or their state before others is not the enemy. They're not the problem. The people that sell us out, the internationalists, the one-worlders, the globalists, whatever they want to call themselves this time around, the progressives that think that we should pick up the tab for everybody and everything. Those are the problems that we have. 
Those are the ones that are seeking to destroy our country, whether by hook or by crook. And I'm sorry. We can't pretend that they're on the same team or that they love us or they love our country. So I was watching part of an interview that uh, Glenn Beck did with Rob Schneider. Now, in my mind, I think back 30 years ago and Rob Schneider is this goofy guy of indeterminate race and indeterminate height who was actually quite funny, hanging out with Adam Sandler and a couple of those uh, goofy guys that were on Saturday Night Live. And he's funny. I don't think he's all that smart, but okay, fine, whatever. But flash forward 30 years, it's 2022, and Rob Schneider makes more sense than half of our elected officials. Rob Schneider actually sounds like he's been using his time over the last 30 years, well, I don't know, to study, read, um, investigate things, give thought to subjects, and I don't know, look at both sides of an issue. And one of the things that he said multiple times is we have more things in common than we, uh, than we think, you know, he was quoting Noam Chomsky. Chomsky. Glenn looks at him. Oh, that's a name you don't hear very often. And then he was referring to Bill Maher and he was referring to, um, Another guy, and Glenn goes, oh, yeah, you know, that guy's not a, we're not a big fan of him either. But his point was, is, and I've made the reference to the broken clock, but Rob Snyder's like, well, you know what? Some of these guys, they have some conclusions I don't agree with, but their thought process and some of their ideas are actually pretty good. You know, there's something to work with here. And we have more in common with them. If we actually sit down and talk to them or read their writings or, I don't know, think about it, then we don't. Now, I reflect back to myself. And I'm like, you know, I've been doing this for podcasts for a little over a year now. And I feel pretty confident that I've already covered that. I feel pretty confident that I've said much the same things. I, you know, accurately have determined that, yeah, some of those people don't necessarily agree on the conclusions or the solutions, but we agree that there is a problem and we agree generally what caused the problem, but the solution. And if you have that dialogue, if you talk to people, you'll find that, yeah, they're probably not the enemy. There's probably something here that could be sorted out. So then I go back to Trump. Here's this guy that had he been running 60 years ago, he could have been JFK's running mate, hypothetically speaking, of course, because he's not that far off from JFK. And, you know, it's been theorized that he got a talking to not entirely dissimilar to uh, the one that Jesse Ventura has explained that he got after he won the governorship of Minnesota. You know, basically sit them down and tell them, well, this is the way things work. And now that you're here, you need to understand this. And we have a few questions for you. And now that we've given you the ground rules, play nice or, well, you know, we'll have to end this. I, I'm, I'm certain that that kind of conversation happens to everybody who gets in that office. 
whether it's at the governorship or the presidency. And they basically, the powers that be, let you know that you're given a playground or a sandbox, but if you step out of that, yeah, we're going to reel you in. And somebody once asked me, what do you think the likelihood is that you can't get elected unless they have dirt on you? Well, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I mean, think about it. How else do you explain Lindsey Gramnesty or Mitch McConnell? How, how do you explain how those guys are still in office and it's clear there's something going on there? It's clear not everything's on the up and up. Yeah, but they still have that office and they cave in on just the right things at just the right time. I mean, not at all dissimilar to our big John down here in Texas, right? Oh, he sells us out when it's convenient and then he gets a Ride around like he's Big John. It was Big Don and Big John back in 2016, and now he just sold us out. Oh, yeah, sensible laws, right? Sensible gun control. Oh, we need to have those red flag laws. No, 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 no. That's not sensible. That's foolish. That's opening Pandora's box. But you know what? The sad thing is, is Trump would have went along with that too. And I will give you... This thing about Trump. I don't think that he ever really gave much thought to anything. He ran all off of his gut. Off his just initial view of things. And that's not a terrible way to go. If you've got a good track record. If you if you have a firm understanding of things in general. If you you know have a worldview that's well developed. You could probably do that. And just kind of look at things and know instinctually. Yeah, that's not a good idea. That wouldn't be my first choice. You could do that. But if you don't, if you're just that candle in the wind, so to speak, how's that working out for us? So again, I said Trump wouldn't save you. Talked a little bit about nationalism, how I'm just tired of hearing about the boogeyman that it isn't. Nobody wants Nazi Germany. Nobody wants the Soviet Union of Lenin or Stalin. Nobody wants to go relive Ceausescu in Hungary. Or, I'm sorry, Romania. Sorry, folks. Romania. Nobody wants to relive any of that totalitarian stuff, whether it was uh, Vietnam, Korea, or China, right? There's some bad guys that have run those countries and the people they're tolerated. I don't think we would be so tolerant of that in our country here. Yet everybody thought the same thing in Germany. And yet what happened was not pleasant. But nobody advocates for that. And the very people that are making that accusation just a few days ago showed their hand. They showed us who the real tyrants are. They showed us who the real authoritarian, tyrannical, socialist overlords are themselves. All the while pointing at somebody else as being the scapegoat. Now, if anybody has looked at any mm, film footage of the early 1930s, the similarities of the way our resident in chief was throwing the quote unquote Trump supporters under the bus 
sounds eerily familiar to how somebody else described Jews. And I got to ask myself, if you're a Jewish guy in the United States, no matter how left a center you are, if how does that not cause you to just have the hair on your arm stand up on edge? How, how do you not get that cringy feeling in the back of your neck? The hair standing up there like, ooh, this is really, really bad. Now, I mean, maybe you've rationalized it. Maybe you think, well, that'll never happen here. Maybe we've programmed these Americans well enough that they would never do that. Okay, fine. But it's not the Jews now. Maybe it's Trump people. Then it's the Christians. What's going to prevent them from coming after you next? I mean, there's a long history of people not liking the Jews. They figure out and they that, uh, wow, these people are different than us. And they chase them out. I mean, Poland and Russia had pogroms long before there was ever a Holocaust. I mean, if you're not paying attention, how do you not see the handwriting on the wall here? I mean, the Babylonian uh, king got their handwriting on the wall and he didn't know what it meant and then he was gone. I would just merely suggest to you, pay attention. Watch what's happening. When you allow them to come after one group, it's only a matter of time before they come after another. And just because it's not you guys this time around on the top of the heap doesn't mean they won't get to you next. There's a whole lot more Muslims and Arabs out there than there are of you. And say what you want, but at least the right side of the aisle says positive things and gives good lip service to you, whether they mean it or not. There's a good, strong faction of those people that believe that where Israel goes, so will America go. That our job is to protect the Jewish homeland. These are people that are actually rooting for you. They they have your back. Oh, they might not like some of the particulars about whatever Judaism says, but they don't see you as the enemy. They don't hate you. They're not the ones that are looking out to exterminate a group of people. No, no, those are the folks left of center. Trump was the only one that was willing to point out this dichotomy. Trump was the only one that was willing to call a spade a spade. And while he may have not touched on that specific issue, I can imagine very easily two years from now, we're going to hear about the fact that those left of center want to take us all out. We're going to hear about how those left of center are socialists, they're totalitarians. There are progressive overlords that want to determine who lives and who dies. I think Trump's probably the only guy with the cojones big enough to do that. I hope I'm wrong. I hope there's several other people that'll call it out. But even then, he's not going to save us. I've talked about that time and time again, how we can fix things, how we can make a difference. And while it might be nice to have Trump run and stir the pot again, he's not going to save us. And all you guys on my side of the aisle that think that's the case and are just counting on that, are praying for it, or on your knees, I would suggest 
that you maybe ought to reconsider what you're wishing for. And that's it. That was episode 254. That is for Labor Day, September 5th. And until tomorrow, I will see you on the other side.